This is gonna be fucking fun. Ryan, you are in the hole with Major League A-Holes, episode 84. And 84 is a very special number and a special year for any Tigers fans and Cubs fans, so I couldn't let it pass without mentioning 1984. The 9-0 start for the Detroit Tigers included a uh, April 7th no-hitter against your Chicago White Sox by Jack Morris. Uh, 35 and five starts, uh, it led to a cruising, uh, 104 wins, I believe, and a world series championship. Wow. This suddenly has turned into like a Chicago bears brought a podcast. <laughs> uh, 84 is also special for the Chicago Cubs with their magical year, the rhino and, uh, whatever his nickname was the red rocket, <laughs> what they call, uh, Sutcliffe red rider. I don't know. The Red Baron. Red Baron. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Red unfortunately... Rocket. Yes, they called him a male dog's penis. <laughs> Come on, Red Rocket. <laughs> um, unfortunately, if it wasn't for Leon Durham, Durham botching a ground ball, it went between his legs. They may have faced my Detroit Tigers in the World Series. So, uh, yeah, I had to bring that up for episode 84. Uh, we've got a big show. We have the playoffs beginning. We have a White Sox game one to talk about. Uh, we've got season recaps for the Tigers and Cubs, and we've got a uh, playoff preview for your Giants, who I believe start tonight. Do they not? They do. Against their arch, arch rivals. We've got, again, a dumbass injury of the week, two weeks in a row now. And we're going to talk about our Major League A-Holes manager of the year between our five team managers. Um, should be an interesting discussion as we have not discussed it previous to this. So that's what we got. So let's go ahead and jump into the news. Now here's the news. It's the news. The big news. Oh, fuck, Scotty, that is good news. That is great news, man. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents This Week in Baseball. Well, last night, in case you or yesterday afternoon, excuse me, we're not, uh, there's no East Coast teams involved in this playoff matchup, so we get all the crappy spots until oh. Sunday night. Um, so Central time zone inferiority complex. Yes, very much so. One o'clock today. Ooh, prime yeah. time. Luckily, I'm not working today. But I didn't mind working during yesterday's game because uh, Lance Lynn, uh, who throws primarily fastballs against a fastball hitting team, uh, got melee pretty much uh left some missed his spots uh, specifically. I watched a lot of the uh key hits in replay um the ball that made it three nothing into the gap was a fatty over over just under the letter 94 mile an hour fastball which every batter on houston is going to crush that's what they do they hit they're the best fastball hitting team in baseball 
which leads to why Lance Lynn, since 2018, after yesterday's game, has a 6.63 ERA against the Houston Astros. It's funny. I never heard any of those stats going into the game, but as soon as the game started, I heard all sorts of those. those oh, uh, I, I, I knew. Syncrasies. Yeah, I knew the Lance Lynn stats going into the game. Mm. On the flip side of that, you see the McCullers stats against this current White Sox roster, and they're the the yin to that yang where he has pretty much this young White Sox team has just dominated the hitters time and time again, including this year where he did better on the road at at uh, the rate than he did in his one home appearance uh, against the White Sox. Um, so what is the what what could be the logic in this game one? Uh, some people are like, why didn't Giolito start uh, versus Lance Lynn, knowing the odds are stacked against Lance Lynn? I think some uh, some other, I saw some other notes that the uh, the home plate ump. I don't know if you saw this one. The home plate ump is not favorable towards Lance Lynn. On he hates him. Lance Lynn. I no, about no, this. Well, no, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. This well, is every, tw- every umpire, I mean, your, your thesis, this whole season, no, this is is every mine. umpire I, hates, I, I, hates I, the White Sox. So I, I'm not I surprised. Saw, I saw um, someone tweet this out that uh, he, he doesn't give favorable calls to Lance Lynn, you know, like that outside corner call that isn't a strike that so he, Lance Lynn specifically or pitchers like Lance Lynn. Uh, probably pitchers like Lance Lynn, but if you're if you're looking at Lance Lynn and this and this ump that the the, yeah the prism the the microscopic the White Sox uh, bias yeah so anyway I saw that <laughs> I saw that too which I just dismissed actually because um, Lance Lynn again has not fared well against the Astros this particular sort of Astros lineup from 2018 for the last three years so right. um, so why did Tony start him what what the fuck's going on. Well, because I think you have to start Lance Lynn in this series. It's unavoidable. Oh, and at some point. You have to start him at some point. So why not start him in the game you're most likely to lose anyway because McCullers has dominated your lineup? Wow. <laughs> wow, that is a defeatist attitude right there. Because... If Lynn hits all of his spots, which is which is his entire game, his entire game is control, and he didn't have his best control last no, night. No, he did not. So you get going forward, and I don't know what Dusty's going to do in, in game four after they lose the next two, <laughs> but the matchups all right. pitching You're already wise, looking at game four. So that, that's a, that's a, a classic – Dusty slash uh, Lou Pinella mistake to look ahead to game four before you've well, I don't, won I, one game in the series. No, no, I don't know what he's going to do in game four. What I'm saying is the next two pitching matchups are extremely favorable to the White Sox. All right. You've got Valdez, whose OPS against the White Sox this season is 775 with a TOPS plus of 141. What does a TOPS in count for it accounts for his normal OPS versus other opponents. So the White Sox overperform everyone else he's ever faced. Um, that's that's today's starter. That's today's starter mm. in game three. And you got Lucas Giolito on the mound, who the reason it's super favorable f- features a wipeout changeup, which the they are not an off speed hitting team. They've not even seen Giolito yet this year. Uh-huh. So I think Tony was playing the the let's get, let's get some mo get him overconfident. Let, let's with get a game some, one win. 
Well, I mean, 2011. <laughs> St. Louis lost five nothing. Everyone was gloom and doom. I mean, you made fun of me for re- referencing 1984. So how far back can we go before? Well, things are 19, I, I don't know. Ten years be, is that relevant? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do some quick math. I mean, 84 is 30 some years no, ago. I'm asking where's the cutoff line? Ten no, years I'm just is, saying, is the relevant line. <laughs> well, this is relevant because this manager is actually managing in the playoffs, where the Tigers and Cubs aren't even in the playoffs. But, yeah, nice okay. yeah, but that's that's irrelevant yeah. too. But thanks. Is it though? I don't think so. But anyway, moving on. Of course on. you don't. So, I mean, that's fucking stupid, but go ahead. Uh, moving on. Yes. So, uh, you know, the, we know what happened in the end in 2011. The Cardinals won the World Series. Um, but uh, Moving on! Game three, you get Dylan Cease back at home, who has a – he's dominant at home, 6-2. Six and two compared to seven and five on the road. Three one eight ERA at home versus a four six nine ERA on the road. So there's no reason, like you know, well maybe it should have been Giolito and Cease in Houston. No, it shouldn't have been. You don't want to pitch Cease on the road in this series. The flip side of that is Luis Garcia. That should be the game three starter for Houston. ERA is almost two point two points higher on the road. His ERA is 2.39 at home and 4.24 on the road. So, like, the next two games favor the White Sox. And you get today's game. You flip home field advantage. You pitch Rodon in game four, who dominated Houston earlier in the year, but he also was throwing a 97-mile-an-hour fastball, which in his last outing we know didn't get above 91, I believe. or 90 I think it was 91. Yeah, yeah, 91. But he still pitched five very solid innings but again that was uh was that the was that tigers but i mean we all know the tigers are a a much better team than they were at the beginning of the season but it's still not houston right now uh despite the tigers trending way up but um yeah so i think the next two the next two matchups favor the white Sox. the question is does dusty bring would dusty in desperation turn back to McCullers on three days rest, wow. who's never pitched on three days rest before, if it goes to one White Sox. And we all know most likely he probably would because he mismanages a pitching uh, staff like nobody's business. The other I've positive... I've definitely the one, seen it before. One positive uh, side from yesterday's game was uh, Graveman threw almost 30 pitches in a game he probably shouldn't have even pitched in. And then Presley, the closer, came in and had to toss 21 pitches. So now the White Sox have kind of seen, I mean, they've seen their stuff this year, but now they've seen their stuff again, fresh in their mind. They they got something, and A.J. Prasinski pointed it out. He's like, uh, every pitch a pitcher throws in this series plays a later role in that series. And the, he's like the one he, he, he's the one who put the thought in my head. It's like, like one of the positives the Sox got out of this was Graveman through like 30 pitches, Presley through 21. They've seen them now. They know they, you know, they've got an idea of their stuff and now they've already been used in a game that they probably shouldn't even been used in. Yeah. So strange. And Presley looked like really uncomfortable on the mound. He was like slipping on his plant foot and yeah, it's like, what, what's going on here? So yeah, that was strange uh, to bring those guys in and you know, they were up five runs that whole time. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't get that at all, but that's dusty. I mean, whenever, when in doubt, you know that something could 
ridiculous could be decided by Dusty Baker in a playoff series. So the only stat that I have for you is <laughs> saw this this morning. The combined ages of the managers is 149 <laughs> years. <laughs> That just made me laugh. Like, oh my, oh god. my god! Oh, that is great. I mean, those <laughs> two hate each other too. That's despite, that's the beauty of it. There's despite, a book about that. Three nights in August. I mean, yeah. Did, did you did you you didn't you didn't happen to tune in to Waddle and Sylvie pregame yesterday? No. Did you? Well, you know the White Sox were waiting to see how Abreu was, like from his flu-like symptoms to see yeah. the play. So they turned the lineup in very late, and it was hilarious. They kept saying. You know, Larusa's really just doing it just to fuck with Baker. Yeah. You know, Baker's throwing shit in in, in the in the office right now, ringing his wristbands. That son of a bitch, <laughs> chewing on that toothpick. Is he ever gonna give us their lineup? But not that it really mattered in the end. <laughs> I, was, I was watching the watching the game with my mom, and she even asked, "Why is why is Dusty Baker wearing gloves?" Yeah, that I don't know. Is that like, a I don't know. issue now? Well, I thought maybe it was a, a COVID, you know, maybe yeah, protocol yeah. or something. And then they, right as I was saying that, they flipped to the 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 clip where he was drinking beer out of a shoe when they were celebrating. No, that's not their, a, yeah, that's right. Um, that's not a COVID. Uh, yeah, I'm wondering if he's not worried about COVID, if he's drinking beer out of a shoe, shooting the boot. Shooting the boot. Shoot so the he, boot. He's Shoot got my mind boot. turned into a pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what his strategy is there, but. Uh, yeah, so your yeah, your thesis is is solid as long as you win the game this afternoon. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. It all hinges because you go you go back to Houston. Let's just say it goes five games. This that's I don't think they win the series. The White Sox. Mm-hmm. I don't think they win a game five because that's McCullers for sure. That's yeah. But the other thing is, let's just push it out to game five i think the Sox bring back giolito i don't think lynn pitches again in the series wow yeah i mean the match is just just bad we we just saw it yesterday again so yeah lynn Lynn it's 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 kind of crazy but like like it's his one like his one team that just he can't get over the hump no matter who he's pitched for against them so yeah and he's got a long history, you know, pitching in the division with the Rangers yeah. so against the Astros. So, yeah, it's out there. It's an interesting decision that will be mulled over for years to come. Yeah, could be mulled, mulled over next week after a series loss <laughs> on this very show, if that should happen. So. Episode 85. <laughs> Episode 85, tune in. What? Tune in next week. I'm trying to think, was there anything major in, for our sporting teams in 85? I don't think so. <laughs> no, not for baseball. But... No, not for baseball. Yeah. All right. Well, well, let's move on to, they may not be in the playoffs this year, but they're a team that I feel is going to, really fuel this podcast and an arch rival turned mm. to arch rival for years to come. Marky Anderson has joined us. First of all, how do you feel? I feel great, Mark, but let me tell you this. I'm stupid. Chris just grabbed a nacho. I think he took somebody's nacho. He's doing on something. You know, a little mid-game snack. Magnum P.I., right? Use him for an example, right? Here he is. He carries a Detroit hat around. He's talked about me on the show. And Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell go on the show. Why doesn't someone say, how come we don't have Mark Fittich on the show? Yeah, we are poised to have a hell of a AL Central division rivalry for the next several years, as we've been talking all season, how the Tigers have surprised and look to be poised to uh, challenge the White Sox. Maybe I would say they're going to be relevant next year. It might be two years before they're really relevant, but 
that could change quickly if you believe one general manager, Al Avila, who says they were, there is no fear factor for them going after big contracts in this offseason free agent market. At the same time, he said they would not be spending like drunken sailors, uh, which is kind of a mixed message. I, I get what he's talking about. His message is to get it out there for the fans, to give us some optimism, to sell some season tickets um, that they are going to go after free agents. Uh, specifically, they're going after, he said, they're going after shortstop, which is mu music to my ears. Uh, uh, actually, starting pitching is another area that he wanted to address and then catcher starting catcher which i thought was a little bit odd because they've shown quite a bit of depth uh kind of out of nowhere with eric haas and uh dustin garneau um grayson griner i'm not gonna count on for anything but uh, i think what this speaks to is uh jake rogers tommy john surgery is is gonna keep him out for the whole year so that that's kind of their was potentially going to be one of their catchers of the future. So his timeline might exacerbate that going after a, a free agent catcher. The weird thing is they tried that this year with Wilson Ramos and summarily re released him in within two months. So I'm not really sure why they would go down that road again. Um, but I do love the idea that they're going after, they will say publicly that they're going after a shortstop and starting pitcher is I proposed that about th three or four months ago. Those are the areas they needed to address directly. And we happen to be going into the greatest shortstop free agent market of all time. We saw one of those potential free agents targets, uh, Carlos Correa last night or yesterday afternoon, still looking good. I think um, the coolest thing is if the Tigers do end up uh, getting Correa, I have full confidence that it was the right decision because there is no one uh, more qualified to say if he's going to be, if he's going to have the right mindset, the right, uh, if he's going to be physically able to, there's some questions with his back. Um, but AJ Hinch has the insider knowledge as his former manager. He knows everything about the guy. If it's a, if it's the right decision or not, I, I would have full confidence that AJ would be able to, give Alavila the the right information to make that decision or not. So if they don't go after Correa, uh, I think that speaks volumes. Um, but it's good to hear. Uh, you also heard the Chris Illich, who is rarely heard from the, the owner, uh, say that they would be, uh, I forget the ex exact quote, but they said they'd be willing to spend some money finally. And he that's been a big criticism since his father died, who did spend like a drunken sailor uh, in his years, especially his final years uh, with the Tigers um, signing massive free agent contracts that got them into, well, got them to the world series a couple times, but it also uh, got them into this five year uh, downturn. Eventually the hangover um, Chris Illich, his son finally did say that he would be spending some money. So that's an encouraging sign. The Tigers uh, finished 77 and 85. That is, uh, I believe it's seven games over their the Vegas under over predictions before the season. So that was a that was a nice thing to see. That's why they're they're thinking they can build on this young roster and add add some key pieces. So I'm looking forward to that. It is their best season in five years. Is was the other little factoid, which is kind of sad to say. They're still 
five games below 500. Um, and yet that's the, that's as best they've been in, since 2016. So, but we're seeing some encouraging signs. Uh, a team we are not really seeing encouraging signs from, and ha- I want to recap the 2021 Cubs season. All right, here's the rub. I'll tell you one fucking thing. I hope we get fucking hotter than shit just to stuff it up them 3,000 fucking people that show up every fucking day. Who stings? And another thing I'm going to say, I've won over 1,800 games in the manager, and I'm not a damn dumb. <laughs> 85% of the fucking world's working. The other 15 come out here. I don't know what the big deal about Cracker Jack is. Do you, though? Yeah, I don't really. <laughs> 71 and 91 was their final record. Uh, they were predicted to be, seven. I think, 78 and a half was their under over for wins, which they failed to get to. Um, the season ended uh, under strange circumstances, uh, a strange year for everyone, but definitely for the Cubs. Um, they had a COVID outbreak, which seems kind of apropos considering they are st- were still one of the only few teams in Major League Baseball that ne- never met the vaccination threshold of 85%. Um, Patrick Wisdom didn't play the final season. I believe it was Austin Romine, Andrew Romine, one of the flying Romine brothers um, had COVID. Um, So it's just kind of a weird ending for a shitty season. It it comes out then that a potential reason they had an outbreak of COVID is former asshole of the week, Connor McGregor, uh, when he was at Wrigley Field throwing out the first pitch and uh, singing the seventh inning stretch was allowed in the locker room maskless. And it's hard to say if, you know, he, if he had COVID and spread it, there's a lot of dots to connect there that might not be true, but just the idea that they would let a, an, a celebrity into the locker room is ridiculous considering reporters are still not yet allowed in the locker room yet. So it's like an, just another layer to the, that asshole of the week where I, I made, Conor McGregor and the Cubs co-assholes of the week. It's just like, what what are our priorities here? We're, we're going to kowtow to asshole celebrities, yet we're not going to cater to our fans who's conduit to the team, our reporters who are no longer allowed in the locker room. And I don't know when they will be again. So it's just another gross, a gross incident for a, a really shitty year for the Cubs. One positive you could take away is looking at the offensive numbers in the second half. Cubs are actually better. They improved by jettisoning major names like Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant. Uh, Their runs per game prior to the trade deadline was 4.2. That went up to 4.57, which is a pretty substantial increase for just a few months. Yeah, when you think about it on average, yeah. Yeah. Their batting average went from 227 to 251, which is a huge increase. That's crazy. That's Patrick Wisdom. That's Frank Schwindel, the Schwindy City. Um, So their uh, OPS and slugging percentage all went up. So it's it's crazy. What I mean, again, that's kind of a small sample size, but it it shows they actually got better offensively um, after losing those stars, those big names. I always the, knew those guys were dragging the team down. Yeah. The, the key to their demise, though, of course, was their horrendous pitching, which they 
the bullpen, it shows exactly what was happening the whole first half of the season. The bullpen was carrying that team where starting pitching had failed mainly because of their own uh, decisions by the front office. But, but once they remove the, the guts of the relief staff, that's when the, the ultimate collapse happened. So despite the offensive upturn, uh, so I guess you could look at the, you know, those positive numbers from uh, kind of faceless, nameless, faceless players uh, being better than what they had before as a, as a positive. And of course, the Cubs have all the money in the world, despite what they will tell you. They have the potential to sign anybody they want in this offseason, and they could radically alter this roster uh, by beginning of 2022, whenever that season actually does start which is going to be a big subject of our off season here. Um, we'll see. The Cubs have all the, all the potential to do anything they want, and it's up to them if, whether they do it or not. Well, Jed, Jed Hoyer kind of threw, the, the, threw out what the focus is going to be this offseason, and it sounds like it's the same focus as every offseason. They're going to go after power starting pitching arms. That's where they are. That's how they built the organization. Yeah, so – so maybe the premier second baseman or shortstops that are available won't be, you know, necessarily coming back. They're just they're going to focus on uh, starting pitching. I, I'm all I'm all for that. They have too many second basemen right now. Uh, shortstop might be an interesting question going forward, but I don't I don't I mean I've heard Trevor Story is a target. I've heard Corey Seager is a target. Those guys are going to get far more money than I think they're worth. Uh, I think they're good players, but the, they're what they're, what they're looking to get is going to be way too much, which, you know, again, it's not a problem for a team like the Cubs, but if they, you know, use that to say, we can't spend money in other areas, that's where it becomes a problem. Again, all these conversations are uh, dependent on what the collective bargaining agreement looks like after December 12th or whenever it expires. Um, and if there is a de facto salary cap, as we've had with the luxury tax, or if that has been removed or right, <laughs> low, yeah. lowered, uh, as as Rob Manfred tried to want us to choke down a couple months ago, as he said, those negotiations were going to include a floor in an, in addition to a ceiling to the luxury tax. So, a lot there's a lot to be, uh, lot I mean, to be I like, learned. I like the idea of a floor to be honest with you. I do, but to, to, yeah, you absolutely have to have a floor if you're going to have a de facto ceiling. The problem is they tried to justify lowering the ceiling. Yeah. You can't lower the floor. ceiling right now. Yeah. I mean, it's just called, it's called fucking inflation. It doesn't go down. It, it gradually goes up. Right. Over time. Yeah. And we did the math I, yeah. on this before. Where yeah. It, it's the same thing where they keep offering average salaries would be identical. You know, even if they raise the floor, the average MLB spending per team would be almost identical to what it is now. So it's just, it's a shell game that we've saw them play, uh, you know, with the, the negotiations before the, the actual, I think we just got knocked off. No, we just got an alert that uh, Bruce Lee is watching. <laughs> That's really strange. <laughs> All right. Uh, but that's all I've got for the Cubs. Uh, if you wanted to get into your Giants preview. Next question. The next question, because it was stupid. He hits it high. He hits it deep. It is out of here. 
is feeling pretty uh, delicious right now. Gonna step into the box, go three for four, eight RBIs, Gahim. Yeah, so um, while I was uh, pulling for the Cardinals just to keep my dreams of having a preseason prediction alive, a Nostradamus prediction alive, um, I knew inevitably uh, it was probably going to be kind of how it should be. The Giants should be facing the Dodgers at some point in this playoff. They should be playing each other. They were the two best teams in all of baseball this season. Um the interesting part about this series is it's it's I mean it's dead even when you look at all the statistics and you look at all the numbers they're they're like it's 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 one for one here one for one there it, it's it's just such an evenly matched series so um but it, I think it really comes down to two folks two two players in the bullpen who uh, one one for the Dodgers and one for the Giants. For the Dodgers, Kenley Jansen has been back to form this year with a 2-2-2 ERA uh, for the season. However, when Jansen squares off against the Giants, his ERA is 12-1-5. So he's going to be one of the intangibles. Can he pitch... For against the Giants, like he's pitched against other teams this season. If he can, kind of, you know, that kind of swings into a favor of the Dodgers in, in that case. On the flip side of that, the the Giants have uh, uh, Tyler Rogers, who's been huge for them all season. Wills has the same ERA, two 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 ERA against the league, but against the Dodgers, his ERA is nine. He's allowed, mm. uh, he's allowed a run in every inning he's faced them in. These are key leverage guys, obviously, in the game. Well, Jansen's the closer. So if he's getting torched up in a save situation, that's not a good outcome for the Dodgers. Um, no. So, obviously, let me let me state the obvious for everyone listening out there. <laughs> thank you, Captain Obvious. Yes, thank you. Uh, so those are, to me, are the two, like, major the, the two storylines to watch because everything else is going to just be back and forth. Now, the other thing that happened right as the season came to a close that really hurt the Dodgers. And we may have kind of seen it in, in the, in the St. Louis game where they only mustered three runs was Max Muncy mm. being lost for the uh, least for the LDS. I didn't hear, is he just out for the remainder of the year? Or... Last I heard he was going to miss the playoffs, but yeah, I'm not, so hundred percent on that. So, you know, something that has been uh, tried out in the minor leagues is what they use in uh, my kids games is there's a extra base next to first base. So no one gets hurt <laughs> in those games. Yeah. You touch the orange bag on the right, uh, on the right side, if you're running down the baseline, in foul territory. In foul territory. So, yep. so the and no one gets hurt. Well, probably could have used that. Uh, the Dodgers probably would have welcomed that uh, going into the playoffs because Muncie has has had an incredible season for them. We've talked about this earlier. That solves runners interference too. Yeah, like, it solves. You know, batter, left-handed batter running off a of bunt will you know, just run out in foul territory. He's forced to come into fair territory to get to home, to get to first base at some point. So 
it would just solve it's too simple like it would look strange but i mean we'll get used to it in in a month you know so jesus christ baseball let's figure this out yeah i mean i'm, I mean, not, it... I'm not rooting for the dodgers by any means but i mean it, it it sucks when key players get knocked out for stupid reasons so yeah i mean i think that to me the giants win this series but i think it goes all five games um, they win because mm. they win because they're they have the home field advantage. I think that's what this series always is going to come down to if they played one another who had the home field advantage. So, yeah. so I could see always. I see two two, like going right into game five, coming back two wins at in in San Fran and two wins for the Dodgers in L.A. and then you come back home and and that's how you know what honestly like uh, this this uh, this this matchup is you want it to go five games like Absolutely. it deserves to the best teams in baseball the best records the, the giants have already exceeded anything i thought that would happen <laughs> this year so like do i want them to go to the world series of course i want them to go to the world series if they don't go to the world series i've already was overly satisfied with the regular season yeah. so so this is all a pleasant surprise for me so yeah that's awesome well, if that's all you've got for the Giants, I think we should go ahead and take a break here on the Wordhole Media Network. Wordhole Media. If you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood too. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. And oh, he hits the upright again. It's impossible. Get your mouth shut. Get your mouth shut. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. If worms had machine guns, then birds wouldn't be scared of them. The Limpidness Podcast. Just a couple of Chicago pricks united by our hatred of the University of Michigan football and the Chicago Bears. Find us at limpidness.com and anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, we are back. Uh, one thing we need to talk about uh, in these playoffs is we just mentioned with Max Muncy uh, injuries, how they're affecting things going forward. And we had another example uh, two weeks in a row now. We have dumbass injury of the week. Oh man, I see some crazy ass shit in my time. Ah! Oh, fudge. That's broken. That will require a tetanus shot. Oh, man, man, I shot Marvin in the face. Why the fuck did you do that? I didn't mean to do it as an accident. This week, it is J.D. Martinez of the Boston Red Sox, who inexplicably uh, twisted his left ankle. I think it's an ankle sprain is what he's uh, diagnosed with. Running out to play defense, he stepped on <laughs> second base, which I have never heard of. I've heard many people ask, you know, veteran players if they've ever heard of that. No one's ever heard of someone being injured simply running out to the outfield. Uh, apparently, JD was uh, looking backwards while he was jogging out there and not paying attention where he was going. So I feel bad. I mean, it's such a, you know, he's not, he's, it's certainly not dumbass injury of the year like uh, Devin Williams uh, was honored with last last week by you know purposely punching a wall and angry taking himself out of the playoffs. Uh, fortunately, it sounds like JD's back. Uh, he was on the roster for 
this ALDS. Uh, he might even be in the lineup today, or if yeah, it'd be today. I think um, he did not play, of course, in the wild card game, which could have been absolutely critical his absence. But they they skated by with that, and he was not able to play in game one last night. So uh fortunate for him unfortunate that he had the injury at all i've just have you ever heard of that before i mean no i i mean you know the bases are the the base itself lends itself the base the way the base is designed it does lend itself to injury which is so interesting yeah and And it's kind of amazing people don't get hurt more often you know just running the bases Uh, i don't yeah i don't fully understand it seems like there should be a way where you can't get hurt just by running across the field but Oh, I thought you had more. Um, no, no, no. But like, like it's it's not like it's not like it's soft. It's like hard. Right. Like you see the you see players that they slide past second. They like grab onto it and stuff. Like they're holding on for dear life. So like, if there's any sort of um, precipitation or anything like that, I, I mean, it becomes super slippery. Yeah, it seems like they could make it out of materials where there's no, you know, the you know any kind of precipitation would make it stickier or something you know there's it shouldn't we shouldn't have these issues anymore i guess is i guess is my point but on the other side of it jd should probably look where he's going while while he's running out to the outfield so well i think that brings us to our final conversation for this episode and i we have our five teams uh that we cover here the White Sox, Cubs, Tigers, A's, and the Giants, of course. And I think we had a lot of interesting managers on those five teams. So I think we should uh, go ahead and decide who our manager of the year is between our five clubs. I think there's some compelling arguments for at least three of of the five. Um, I mean, David Ross, I'm not going to include in those three, but mainly because... I think he's got an incomplete at this at this point. I don't I don't know if David Ross is a great manager or not because you know he won the division in his first year, but it was a bizarre sixty game season. Um, not you can't really determine what you know if he's a great manager or not based on that. Uh, they did flame out, of course, in the first round of the playoffs, but that's hard to hard to blame the manager for. I can't take anything away from this season because management the front office cut, cut the legs out of his team when they traded you Darvish before it even started. So, and you know, of course everything fell apart by the trade trade deadline. And after that, they've, you know, what is this team right now? Can you blame David Ross for what happened this year? I don't think so at all. So I'm not calling him manager of the year by any means, but I don't think he's necessarily the worst manager. I just have no idea. I think we're, we're, it's like we've hit the pause button on, on how to judge him, whether he's, he's good or not. So I'm going to give him an incomplete so far. I think Bob Melvin uh, did an admirable job for the A's this year. Um, as he usually does. I think, I think he's a, an above average manager, but we have candidates uh, in amongst our five teams that I think may, might even blow him out of the water. So I'm far above average. So I think that's why Bob Melvin might not be, our manager of the year. I mean, back to Ross for a quick second. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I mean, I just, I guess because of a COVID season and then his first full season and everything that had happened, you could kind of give him like, okay, let's see what happens next year. But like with that 
core group of talented players who've all excelled on the other teams that they've gone and played for so far. He had their, their second biggest losing streak of the year. Like, well, with, I would with, say with, that's because with, of the poor starting pitching. Not but the offense also management. was offense wasn't present though either. So, well, I pointed out the offense got better. This year yeah, after, I mean, after they yeah. were gone. So, but I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really don't think he's a good manager. And I don't think I, I think it's too early to come to any conclusions. I mean, I think you're a little biased, and I, I think you could use. I could I think you could use small sample sizes and stuff to, to against him in your argument, but I just think it's too soon to know one way or the other. And then for Bob Melvin, I think he's just perfect for Oakland. Yeah. I mean, they, they've, they've found the right guy. Uh, you know, unfortunately it fell a little bit short for them, but I don't think that it's necessarily his fault by any means. Um, they're always a little bit shorthanded in Oakland. Um, I think he does he gets as much as he can out of out of a, a limited roster so that's a, that's a good sign of a good solid manager right there but like i said i think we've got even better candidates to talk about um i think uh you could argue aj hinch you know pulling the tigers out of such a a terrible losing culture that we've seen for for you know the last five years uh we saw what ron garden hire could do and it was not much with this similar roster and we saw how much more aj hinch could pull out of it i i have i mean i am seriously biased here but i have so much more faith in aj hinch than i have in uh certainly garden hire but in, in a lot of managers um that i've that i've uh have been managing my teams over the last several years i just feel like he's he's smarter than most um i think he's got a plan i think he's also seems like he's uh, got a ear directly to the, the front office where I feel like he is in concert with Al Avila advising them, you know, where they need to be going in the in the present and in the future. And I have utter confidence in that. Um, the irony of ironies is I feel like he is the, one of the more honest managers, at least in his dealing with the press um, that I've come across. He'll give straight answers to everything. And the, the irony is that he came he only came to the Tigers because he got in a, got uh, blamed essentially for the Astros cheating scandal, which is inherently dishonest. So it's just funny that I, I, one of his best traits in my mind is his honesty. So take that for what it is. But I, I think in, in a lot of years, you know, going that far over the expected win total, even though they didn't reach the 500 mark, I think in a lot of years he would be a, a manager of the year candidate, but we have even better candidates maybe with, with your two teams. Yeah. So obviously uh, one candidate for AL manager of the year is going to be, uh, well, this is the MLA man. No, I know, I know, I know. Well, can I just talk? Is that cool? Okay. So anyway, <laughs> wow. one candidate for right. ma for AL manager of the year and as well as MLA manager of the year is TLR. And part of the reason is, um, he managed a team and, and kept them going while they had horrendous and devastating injuries to their offense. Um, he, he's, he made some interesting calls early on in the season that people will still uh, use against him, even though they won 93 games easily won the division and a division that was supposed to be a dog fight from everyone at the beginning of the <laughs> season. And they were supposed to be a wild card team. Um, so 
you take all that into account, he's he's definitely uh, uh, AL manager of the year, but I, I don't think he's uh, worthy of MLA manager of the year ah. because something that no one saw coming is I was even a little like, kind of like I was with, like in between on TLR, but I was going to give him the benefit of, of the doubt because of his resume and, and, and thus far uh, removing game one <laughs> from what he's done this year. Uh, it, it, it's been pretty good, but Gabe Kapler was hired uh, to steer the ship over in uh, San Francisco in what everybody, not just us, everybody predicted to be more of like a rebuilding year and in between season. The they biggest gonna... under over for wins was 75.5. Wow. I hope you bet the over on that one, folks. <laughs> 22 uh, wins. <laughs> they kind of crushed that. Um, 32, so, sorry. Yeah. So um, what he did with basically what uh, the front office did is took a run at a bunch of one-year pitchers looking to get better contracts next year. Are you – do you have anything left in the tank? Are you – are we going to get the good version of you, the bad version of you? And they kind of – like you'd almost think it's the giant season to win another world series. Cause you couldn't have had more things that fall into place. You have a resurgence mm. of Brandon Crawford yeah, who, who, saw that? who earned himself a two year deal who I thought for sure was gone. You've got, you know, Posey and now you got belt, you know, I guess Posey I guess, looked like he was like 10 years younger. Yeah. And involved. maybe that, maybe the season, the not playing an entire season allowed him to, you know, rest his legs yeah. and, and get and have, and, and, and be allowed to, to have that. But, um, Brandon belt was doing great. I guess, I guess the Muncie injury as, uh, not to digress, but kind of the belt Muncie injuries almost kind of cancel each other mm, out again, again, making it even, even more even for the series. But, um, <laughs> what Gabe Kapler has done managing the bullpen using guys in key situations. And, you know, you never know how much is the, the manager or, or just like having a great staff there. I mean, that's a huge part of it, having a great staff. And I, I think that's something to talk about too, with the tigers, like the, the people that Hinch has put into place is a quality staff. He's got great advisors there, but mm -hmm. like, like, everything they done you couldn't have has exceeded every expectation so to me that's why like easily the gabe kapler is is the should be the mla manager of the year yeah i think it's i think it's a runaway um i think it was an, at least an interesting interesting year for managers i uh, thought it would have been a, a a tighter battle if they hadn't the Giants hadn't exceeded their potential win total by 32 games. I mean that that that's the story of the season of the major league season. How how dominant they were and how it never trailed off. But, you know, every week we talked about we're not really sure how this is happening, but they they keep motoring on and they just never had a downturn. You got to give the manager some credit for that for sure. So yeah, I think I think that was a it was a no brainer. I didn't know if you would go more more towards TLR. Um, I think there's some holes you could poke in that, but that, those have been poked 
all year long, especially by us or by myself. So we don't need to well, go back into that. Yeah, anymore. I mean, I, I, I didn't, I didn't really dis, I didn't disagree with you when the holes were poked. But like, I think when, 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 and and it was in such a compressed amount of time mm. that at the beginning of the season, everyone's like, "What the?" You know, you're kind of like, "Oh shit!" It's exactly what we thought. But he's he's uh i don't even know what there's a they had a they every month they had a record above 500 i don't think they've ever done that or something like that or like it's rare that the white Sox have had a winning month every month with him as manager so like there's like crazy stuff like that but again who is what it is like get kapler like i didn't i i didn't never thought kapler was like that great of a manager either in what how i've seen a manage before with the phillies they're a serious question i mean he was fired yeah and yeah so yeah i did i definitely did not see that coming he definitely had unorthodox methods i think that was part of it uh he had, he had a pretty short leash in in philadelphia i think he burned some bridges there but i mean san francisco is happy to pick him up and they are certainly happy now so my only issue is i keep confusing if it's gabe kapler or gabe kaplan <laughs> as in as if welcome back mean... cotter <laughs> <laughs> welcome back welcome back welcome back all right i won't, well, sing, yeah, I won't sing the i won't sing the rest of the yeah uh, i'm canceling the rest of this episode now the that re- i heard that so <laughs> well unless you've got any shit pete forgot i think we can... uh i don't have anything pete shit pete forgot but the uh unlike yesterday the lineup is in mm, for the white Sox for do today's tell. game. I'm curious We've got, if I can find it again. Okay, we got, no surprise, Anderson leading off. La Pantera's moved up to the number two spot because he was one of the few bright spots in the yeah. lineup yesterday. As well as Jose's in the lineup, but he is DHing again today, so he mm, must still be still feeling, feeling it. But he, of course, he was the one person to drive in an RBI yesterday. No surprise there. Yasmani Grandel who hit a ball 401 feet for an out yesterday, Oof. which would have been a three-run homer at home, but yeah. oh well. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, who had a late hit to try to spark a rally, is in the five-hole. Yo-Yo at six. My rookie of the year preseason prediction, Andrew Vaughn, who has just destroyed lefties this year, mm. is in the lineup because there is a lefty on the mound. We know the White Sox love left-handed pitchers. Lou Ray gets the nod again over Cesar Hernandez and one of Yikes. our fa- one of our favorites, Adam Engel in right field, mm. batting in the nine hole with that. He's speed. one of our favorites. Well, we you like him. You actually do like him. You you had said at the beginning of the season like maybe right field's not such a question because of how Adam Engel is has played. So I wouldn't make him one of my favorites. Well, whatever. One of your favorites <laughs> in regards to a team you hate. How about that? Can I add that full full caveat in? Perfect. Is, is, that, is that good? Jeez. Jeez. Well, anyway, this is a, this on has that been a very, note. Very caustic episode. <laughs> we better cut this short before we start strangling strangling each other from 250 miles Oh, away. that was a fun episode. We we don't give Maddie. We, you know, <laughs> we, again, we, we said this before. We were doing these episodes um if we had started this like five years earlier, this probably and, wouldn't yeah, even be listenable to people. Yeah, it <laughs> we might would not just, be, it would might not be listenable right now either. Yeah. So, but oh, hey, we I got Bruce just, Lee with us. So and thank we got you, Bruce. Bruce Lee, who is innocent. So I, I, and I said it incorrectly. Um, allegedly, allegedly, Lee. 
yeah. So I apologize to the White Sox for a million dollars. I apologize to to Bruce for that. He does say he is going to go work for the Tigers after this. So no, <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, one other thing I want to say, you know, a perfect way if you if you're if you're depressed over the playoffs is to have a delicious Revolution Brewing uh, a beer. And I will say, last night I, I went to the Oktoberfest. Um, mm, I've not had the Oktoberfest. The Oktoberfest is is really really good. Like, you know when you're talking about beer companies, like a lot of guys do IPAs and some of them do really, really great. Some of them do like, okay, but like, like IPAs are kind of like the, yeah, you kind of have to. And, and in most cases they're, they're okay. But like brewers that do like great loggers and pilsners and things like that, those are like kind of, they don't, a lot of them miss the mark and they're terrible, but this lager is like, cool crisp finish perfect like not too heavy beer probably what i should have stuck to uh last weekend for the uh <laughs> for our takeover nominate of, the rate uh, nom- dominate the rate but i didn't but anyway no. uh yeah so uh it, while uh, octoberfest season is going i'd suggest uh, someone go out there and pick up a revolution brewing uh octoberfest beer it's quite delicious love it i might have to do that this afternoon well, with that, uh, thanks again to Revolution Brewing Company. Uh, we are on social media at Major League A-Holes. You can find us at MajorLeagueAholes.com. You can find our merchandise at uh, ugh, Aesthetics.shop. <laughs> Forgot that one. A-S-S-T-H-E-T-I-C-S.shop. And you can catch this podcast anywhere you'd like to find a podcast. So with that... I'm going to declare this podcast is over. Peace. Peace. Yeah! Jesus fucking Christ, it's about time. S-S-H-O-L-E, everybody, hey. and I'm proud of it. Word Hole Media.